Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I'm talking to Kit Lyle. He is the founder of a company called TheOperators.pe. And we are going to be talking about a topic that is a real challenge for a lot of businesses and their management teams, whether it's a management team coming in or a management team that's there, but it's all around transitions. And we'll get into the details on that. But first, I want to welcome you to the show, Kit. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks, Lance. Good to be here. So, Kit, tell me right off the top here, in your opinion, you've been an entrepreneur for 23 years. This is your second business that you're running while you basically have the two of them going at the same time here. Um, so you got tons of experience. In the 23 years, what do you think are the three most important things that every entrepreneur needs to know based off of the experience that you've had? Yeah, thanks, Lance. Uh, they they relate conveniently enough to my uh, to my businesses. So um, I'll start with the board. Um, sure. Not every entrepreneur affords themselves the opportunity to have a true board of advisors or board of directors. Uh, sometimes it's your accountant or your attorney or your your wife or your friend. Um, the problem with that approach um, is they're not. They're not necessarily honest. They're not necessarily telling you what's in your best interest. They're sharing things that they think you want to hear because they they want to please you um, or they don't have um, an unbiased perspective. So number one, I think, is uh, to find a way to get an unbiased uh, set of directors or, or board of advisors. Number two is it's often um, surprising to me as a, a growth strategy consultant that um, spent most of his career on the external environment, um, looking at studying competitors, customers, and the marketplace. How um, how frequent it is, I guess, amongst entrepreneurs to focus a hundred percent of their efforts on the inside of the business. Mm. Um, so it's obviously important to do a good job with with quality or pricing, for example, um, but not to the complete ignorance of what are the needs and interests and, and purchase decision behaviors of customers, um, not to leave out where the competitors are strong and what their intentions are, and, uh, and not to ignore the, uh, the segments that might be most attractive in your market. Um, and then the third area, uh, my third suggestion is to pivot. Uh, we all learned a lot during the pandemic um, but I think being nimble, being flexible, being able to step back and say, well, wait a second, um, this is not necessarily the right way. Uh, just because this is the way we've always done it is not necessarily the best way or the appropriate way right now. Times change, situations hit us. <laughs> and so uh, the, the, the ability to pivot, I think, or the need to pivot is important. Yeah, have that flexibility. And I mean, that's one of the things that I love about entrepreneurs is that especially through COVID there, all the pivoting that did happen, it was absolutely fascinating. Um, and that's actually was the birthplace of this show is uh, at the beginning, the early stages, um, I was having these conversations with businesses and they were changing their models completely. And it was just fascinating to see where they were taking their businesses and just how flexible they actually were. Uh, I mean, obviously there were some out there that didn't make it and they didn't flex. They, they didn't pivot the way that they maybe needed to. And, uh, and yet others in their space did. Um, but, uh, but it is remarkable just how, how willing we actually are. And 
in my experience, and, and this is my personal experience, and I don't know if some of the businesses that you've had the pleasure of working with, you can also, or other entrepreneurs, if, if it's similar, but I feel sometimes I maybe pivot almost too much at times because there's a part of me that gets somewhat bored yeah. with the status quo. Um, and that's always a little bit of a challenge, <laughs> I think, for my for my team uh, in a way, because change, you know, people don't uh, accommodate change quite as well as others do. And so I feel sometimes maybe that's a, a weakness or can be when uh, when I'm I'm throwing a little too much pivoting going on. Well, I, you know, I, I think I'm similarly wired. Entrepreneurs are <laughs> often have a little bit of ADD um, yeah. and like to try new things, um, which is great. Um, so, but yeah, being a, being aware of that tendency is healthy. Um, and also, um, you know, not falling into the trap, but just doing things the same old way, just because that's the way it's always been done. So a healthy balance there is good. Yeah. That's the key, right? Like anything. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about the operators.pe. What problems are you guys trying to solve over there with this latest venture of yours? Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more detail there. Yeah, I mean, I think it relates back to the the first idea or suggestion that I had for entrepreneurs, which is to avail yourselves of a true, honest uh, uh, board of directors or board of advisors. Um, the problem, though, uh, at least among uh, our target market, which is private equity backed executives. Um, so let's define some terms here. Yeah. Um, most of us are familiar with venture capital and what venture capital is. That's sort of the early seed or startup stage of a company. Uh, but private equity is the umbrella term that goes over that. It's just a, an investment in a private company by a professional body, like a fund. So a private equity fund includes venture capital, but it also includes growth stage and buyout stage, you know, bigger company um, environments. Well, there's, there is a problem that exists in the world of private equity. And that problem is that the executives who run companies that are owned by private equity groups often experience three syndromes. And um, it, it's unique to this world, I think. Oh, syndrome number one is it's lonely at the top. Now, is that unique? No, it's, it's actually not unique. It is lonely at the top. And we all need to uh, surround ourselves by smart, articulate, honest um, advisors who can weigh in during periods of uncertainty or change or um, periods when you have an idea um, or you see an opportunity, but also when there's a challenge or a quandary or concern. So um, these, these executives uh, have a board, a true board, that they can turn to, but the problem that they have is that that board is only available to them for the most urgent or the most important issues. Mm -hmm. And these executives have a lot of issues on their shoulders. Um, the bigger the business, sometimes the more issues there are, but not necessarily. So any business owner, any business executive has some issues on their shoulders. The most important, most urgent of them go to the true board of directors. But one tier down from that might be um, a, a former colleague, a friend, maybe a mentor, an advisor, if you have one. And, yep. I, and what I always advocate for is for, for all of that other stuff or for the next tier of issues, problems, ideas, concerns, questions, whatever, 
um, that you consider a peer advisory council. There are more than 100,000 business executives and business owners who um, attend or frequent a formal, disciplined, dedicated peer group to discuss solving strategic growth dilemmas. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. So I'll, I'll pause there, see if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And so that is what you are creating is this peer group uh, or networks, right, in which these yeah. executives can be part of. But yours is a little different than most of the ones that I've heard of. I've never heard of one that is focused on the private equity or private equity uh, executives. And so that's the exclusive membership then of your groups, right? Yeah, that's one one element that makes it rather unique uh, uh, is the private equity nature. So private equity backed executives, venture backed executives uh, would qualify as well. Okay. Um, the second factor that makes it unique is a lot of these, when you hear about a peer group or a peer advisory council or a networking group or a mastermind group, um, we tend to lump them all into the same big bucket. But in reality, uh, these groups, these dedicated formal groups really have three different purposes and ours is only one. Our purpose is to solve strategic growth dilemmas, as I said. Mm -hmm. um, other groups get together specifically for networking or maybe to receive information, to hear, to learn from an expert or learn about a best practice from a, a speaker. You know, we, we could do a little bit of that, but really our focus is on solving strategic growth dilemmas. So private equity, private equity backed, solving strategic growth dilemmas. And then, you know, most of our businesses, or in fact, all of our businesses, there's a qualification. They have to be of a certain scale and size um, and have been around long enough. And then the members have to be either a business owner or a C-level executive. And, and that's the first uh, of our services under um, the operators.pe. We call that Strategic Growth Council, uh, hmm. CIL. Um, so there's a website, strategicgrowthcouncil.com. Um, but uh, Lance, I'll go ahead and talk about the second one. The second yeah, service please. is it's an online community where executives can go to bounce questions off of one another. So imagine that you have a question, a quandary, as I keep using that term, concern, and it's maybe something fairly simple like, hey, we're, we're thinking about using this particular type of accounting software for a very specific use case. Uh, does anybody have any feedback for us? Is this actually the right tool for this application? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. It's a very specific question, but it, it could be, there could be a much, much bigger, deeper question. Um, it could be um, we're migrating from um, one ERP system to another, and, and it's a big risk to the organization that if we uh, get this wrong, you know, shut the business down for a while. So we want to make sure we do this right. Does anybody have any words of wisdom or experience? Or, you know, frankly, it could be we're thinking, I'm thinking personally about taking a job with another private equity group. Is that, has anyone heard of that particular private equity group? Any feedback for us on them? Uh, we're thinking about being invested in by a new venture capital group. Does anybody have any suggestions or feedback on that group? So an online community, people are usually familiar with Reddit. Yep. or Quora, where you get to bounce questions off of one another. It's the same, similar concept. 
Yeah. And so that's the second aspect. And there's a third aspect though, as well, right? Yeah. Third would be events. Um, we okay. get together virtually, um, as a result of COVID, the awareness that we can actually do this. We can, we can have events, um, on a, on a zoom meeting, for example. Um, and we, we do have a, an annual, what we call a summit. We get uh, people from various private equity backed businesses together to serve two purposes. Purpose number one is to network with one another and meet other private equity backed executives. Because remember, I was, I started out by saying it's lonely at the top. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple other factors that come into play with private equity backed executives. One is that um, you experience a little bit of culture shock. When you start working with a private equity group or a venture capital firm, it's just a different culture. It's a different reporting structure, different vernacular and vocabulary, different expectations, different timelines. Uh, you're working with a, a different type of board. So that culture shock comes into play. And then some people have been uh, open and honest and forthright enough to share with me that they've experienced what they call imposter syndrome. So mm. in other words, it's the sense that, gosh, am I really qualified to be doing this? Am yeah. I in the right job? Am I, a, am I out of my element here? Um, because you're surrounded by some really, really smart, shrewd, sophisticated, successful people in the world of private equity and venture capital. So all of those uh, elements come into play and make people want to surround themselves with, with others that might be experiencing the same thing. Lonely at the top, um, culture shock, and maybe a sense of imposter syndrome and getting together, networking with them is very helpful. And then we also uh, have some career event, career related events for them as well to network with private equity groups or venture capital funds that might be interested in potentially hiring them or investing in them and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like a, a fascinating, um, you know, piece of that critical professional development, but also you know, becoming a successful executive puzzle uh, that you guys are providing that would not have been there really uh, if it wasn't for you focusing on this, because I can see the differences in the types of executives that might need to be a part of a group like this versus um, executives who are not in that, um, you know, the venture backed or, or private equity side of things, because it is a different beast for sure. So um, I'm, I'm curious, did this come out of uh, like a need that you were, that you yourself had or out of uh, some other experiences? How did you come about creating this business? Yeah, that's a good question, Lance. I, um, so Aclaro Growth Partners is the name of the consulting firm, growth strategy consulting firm. Um, and as you said, I founded that some 23 years ago. That business still exists. I'm, I'm still the owner. Uh, I'm just not involved day to day. And one of the reasons that I'm not involved day to day is that as, and, and I'm sure if you've got listeners that are professional services firms or just business to business services firms, they can relate. It's stressful <laughs> to be a service provider, uh, particularly in the, the professional business services arena. So working for, working on behalf of reporting to private equity deal makers um, who truly are the smartest guys in the room. It's a stressful job. So about uh, a little over a year ago, I was introduced to a friend of a friend who introduced me to the concept of 
peer advisory council, sort of the alternative board concept. And it really resonated um, because I thought, gosh, all these years of running a business, uh, I could have benefited from this myself. Yeah. And I got excited about the opportunity to interact with, you know, the people that I've always really wanted to do more business with. That is the people running the portfolio companies of private equity groups, um, the operators. And that's how we came up with the name, the operators.pe mm -hmm. uh, for the community at large. So it just, it resonated. It felt right. It felt like something I could have benefited from. And, um, and nothing like this really exists. This, this concept of a community uh, for collaboration and networking and mutual support um, within that world of private equity backed executives. Yeah. So now I'm curious because you had, uh, and still do have this very successful business that uh, you've been operating for 23 years. Uh, what was easier about creating this because of that background uh, that you had, so your second kind of venture startup, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I've I've often thought about exactly that. In other words, when you start a second business, it it yeah. in some ways it seems easier, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the connections that you have, the people that you know, the introductions. Um, you're able to tell a success story here or there at a timely, in a timely manner and leverage that, that success or that experience. Uh, but really it's, it's the connections that you've, you've made a, throughout a, you know, a prior career that, that enabled that path to be a little bit, a little bit easier. I mean, it's still a startup. It's still, it's still a grind. It's still a lot of work. It's still a lot of manual labor. Um, but, um, but having that, having that, uh, bevy of, of stories to tell or connections to leverage is, is tremendous. There's probably no way, frankly, Reliance that, that I could have just at age, you know, 29 or 30 or whatever started this particular business because it, it really does rely so much on what I've learned over the last 23 years. Yeah. And those connections, right? You're talking about that, that C-suite connections that you would have developed as you were working with all those different companies, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so in terms of uh, like some of the, the challenges then, because this is a, a different kind of business than what your other business was. So uh, walk me through that a little bit. What did you find the most challenging about this startup versus, you know, your experience that you brought to the table from your previous 23 years? Yeah, it, it's interesting because when you're an entrepreneur and you have an idea and you start doing a little bit of research, I wonder who else is out there. I wonder how they're pricing this. I wonder who, what segment of customers they're serving. I wonder what market they're focusing on. You know, what are they doing that I can learn from? When you discover that nothing like this exists, it's usually really, really bad. <laughs> it's, 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 there, there's a reason why you know, it doesn't. from an academic standpoint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a, a business school professor would say, well, <laughs> there's a reason there's no com competitors. It probably yeah. doesn't, it probably doesn't make sense. This is probably a bad idea, but, but, um, so my, my difficulty, my stress, my, uh, angst, I guess, has been, um, in having conversations with these private equity backed executives in which they say, you're onto something. This is great. 
we really need this. We want this. Um, build it and we will come. Um, thank you for coming up, stepping up to the plate. This is wonderful. My, my problem has been um, just scratching my head and wondering why, why doesn't this exist? Is, what is the fundamental reason that no one else has done this yet? And then, of course, you know, how, do you, how do you value it? How do you price it? How do yeah. you come up with a, a way to monetize the concept of a community? Um, because when, when you think about what is a community, people come together in a community for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's the content. Maybe it's to interact with one another. Maybe it's to purchase a product. Um, but in, in, in our case, it's really all about the people. It's not about it's not about me. I mean, they're not joining this community because of me. They're joining the community because they want to be around other people who can be useful and helpful to them who have similar experiences. How do you price that? So that's, yeah. that's what I've been struggling with. Yeah. And so the answer, I presume, is you're looking at some of the other mastermind type peer support groups that are out there and, and basing it off of that. Is that what you're doing or? Yeah. I, it, Yes, for sure. Um, but that's really just one piece of the pie, one piece of the puzzle. Um, the mastermind groups or peer advisory councils have a, you know, a track record of charging a certain amount, usually a monthly amount or an annual amount. Yeah. Um, but an online community in which people become members or subscribers and, you know, participate in chats or discussions or answer questions for one another, um, you know, that, that complicates matters. And then attending events, virtual events or, in-person mm -hmm. events. Yeah. I suppose there's some proxies or, or analog analogous situations that I can benchmark from, but it's, it's been, it's been a little bit of a struggle for me personally to figure out, you know, what is the right way to price these things? Yeah. Yeah. You know, ideally I would like this to become a member based community in which there's a, a very simple, you know, monthly fee. Um, ideally a fee that you don't really think that much about. It's just the subscription, just, you know, we, we're, we're paying as a society, what, $100, $150 for our, our television and internet. So, yeah. Uh, and we don't really think about it. So, yeah. 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 And I mean, that, having that recurring uh, revenue model is, is obviously kind of the, the holy grail in a lot of respect in terms of, of creating that sustainability and cash flow predictability, right? Yeah. I, I am curious right. about, what you're doing and how much of a struggle it's been to kind of almost build both sides of the market in a way at the same time, because the value that the members are going to get new members is really, uh, you know, related to fairly directly to the other members that are part of the community already. And so you have to kind of build the community before you can attract more people, but you can't build the community without attracting people to begin with. So, so how, how much of a struggle has that been for you? Um, and uh, how have you overcome that? Yeah. Um, another good question. So kudos to you, Lance. Um, the, the reality of it is, is I, I struggle with the concept of scalability. I really wish that this was something that I could just, you know, purchase a database of, email records and blast it off and wait for people to join or become subscribers and, and then, you know, manage, manage the community from there. But um, you're right. So the, the community building is, you know, I feel a little bit like Thomas Edison, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of perspiration, a little bit of inspiration. 
um, a lot of work. You know, it's one at a time. I reach out to Lance Johnson and say, hey, Lance, <laughs> I found you on LinkedIn. Um, I suspect that you might be feeling blah, 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 um, as a result of being a PE-backed executive. You know, I formed a group. Would you like to join my group? And, uh, you know, you join the group. And then I say, hey, we, we're having an event. Would you like to join the event? And you join the event. And, you know, I say, hey, thanks for joining the event. You want to have a little chat? And so one at a time, I'm developing relationships with individual executives. And one at a time, I'm discovering this is an awful lot of fun. Yeah. And there's a huge need. And yet I also, you know, sit back and say, <laughs> You know, this is this is not a very efficient way to build a business. One, literally, one customer at a time. Um, but um, so far, so good. I'm, I'm having a good time at it. Um, I do wish that we're more scalable in an easier, more efficient manner. But um, it is what it is for now. Yeah, yeah, and I and I appreciate that a lot because I think there's a lot of people who have this idea that you can just kind of turn on that lead tab uh, at the very start. But when you're building it um, in these early days, oftentimes it is the grunt work of getting out there and, and grabbing one customer at a time, isn't it? And so this isn't an uncommon, I think, uh, dilemma or challenge that other entrepreneurs face. And then you'll get to a certain critical mass where then you, you, you start to benefit from the referrals and just everybody else who's pulling people into it because of their network. So, and they're getting so much value um, that they're like, you gotta be part of this, I would think is, is really what'll end up happening. Um, the I, network effect starts to kick in and they're not, yeah. they're not benefiting from the one-on-one -on -one conversations or the small group chats. They're benefiting because of the, the bigger crowd of people that have very, you know, the example I gave of, Hey, we're considering this, this accounting or finance software for this application. Does anybody have any feedback? Well, if there's six or seven other people in the community, there's a good chance nobody else has any feedback, but if there's six yeah. or 7,000 others, that'll happen. Yeah. So it's just the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm also uh, really intrigued by, uh, you know, entrepreneurs who have multiple businesses operating at the same time, and they are, you know, obviously found a lot of success over the last 23 years in your other business to the point where it can operate on its own. You've built a good enough team over there. Um, and, yep. and now you're doing this project. I, I'm curious, how do you, um, I guess, determine what success looks like or has success changed for you a little bit because you already had or have currently a successful business and, and you're building another one. Um, how do you define it now? Well, that's, um, it, it's an interesting sort of theoretical philosophical kind of question. Um, but you could also answer it in, in very, quantitative equivocal terms uh, as well. So I would say on the, on the original business front, we have a very clear definition of success <laughs> and it's numbers based and growth based and, and financial and so forth. Um, and, and I'm very, very fortunate to have an amazing group, a, a very talented group. And I, I, I'm sure the uh, entrepreneurs in the audience will appreciate this. I hired people who are smarter than I am harder working than I am and um, more dedicated and <laughs> determined and had more energy than I had. And I just got the heck out of the way. 
Yeah. And I yeah. think that's uh, when you can get to that point of being able to hand the keys over to a really good management team and just let them do their thing because everybody understands sort of what the, what has an eye on the prize or has a, has a, a shared understanding of what the value drivers and really the, uh, the vision uh, of the business are, then that's very clear, very simple. Um, with the new business, it's not as, as cut and dried. It's certainly not, there's no quantitative measurable definition of success. So I, I would say success for me at this moment with the new business, with the operators.pe really boils down to two things. Number one, I'm just having so much fun um, fulfilling intellectual curiosity by being, you know, being involved in really engaging conversations yeah. with chief executive officers, chief financial officers, chief operating officers of businesses that are, you know, fairly sizable. And they're, these are, these are really successful. I, I sincerely describe the private equity backed executives as the rock stars or professional athletes of the business world and just the ability to interact with them and find a way to address their, their quite humble human problems. You know, I don't feel like I deserve to be in this position or gosh, there's so much culture shock about being around these, these smart people. So that's one is the de definition of success is gosh, just being jazzed, being excited about uh, the opportunity to ex express creativity and serve these really cool customers in a, in a new way. That's one. And I would say the other is the playing field for private equity backed executives hmm. is how should I put this balanced, weighted, weighted in favor very much of the private equity group. In other words, the fund has all the power and the private equity backed executives have very little bargaining power. And if we can change that just in some small way by getting these private equity backed executives together to collaborate, share war stories, solve problems as a group um, to help them, um, then that'll feel like a real winner. That'll feel like success. Yeah. 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 I love it. I, that's a, a great definition, I think, for for this new business. And and I love what you were talking about as well. It's just the the privilege that you feel in being in the room with these people, whether it's a physical room or a virtual room, right? Like, I, and that yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's pretty rewarding and, and a lot of fun. And like you said, you can get really jazzed up, I'd imagine by having those conversations. Um, one thing that you had talked about or that you mentioned, and I just love the phrase, which, you know, around what you problems you solve or help people solve or what, when you're, bringing these people together, you're trying to help them solve strategic growth dilemmas, right? And that's also part of what your consultancy does too, right? And, uh, and I just love that, that phrasing. And I'm, I'm just curious, in your experience, um, working with all these different businesses and entrepreneurs and executives, what do you feel is one of the biggest stumbling blocks that they have to achieving their strategic growth? And I know there's going to be quite varied in terms of the stories that you've you've been exposed to or the experiences but if there's one that yeah. kind of bubbles to the surface more often than than others besides i yeah. guess the advisory board because i know that's uh, something that i would imagine that's very common and why you've started this but what other problem is it that you see that they're struggling with that once they fix that it seems like the the strategic growth gets easier 
Yeah. I'm going to share a story with you from, from quite a while ago. Yeah. But please. I replay this story in my mind because I hear echoes of this particular story again and again and again and again with entrepreneurs and with managers that work for entrepreneurs. And it, it goes like this. Uh, the founder of a very successful uh, engineering services firm um, brought his senior managers into the room, into the boardroom, and said, hey, congratulations. I have decided that I'm going to award each of you with equity in the business. You are now part owners in this business. And to a, to a person, almost all of them had the same reaction. The reaction was, Oh God, you know, now what? what? <laughs> I don't, I, I, I couldn't possibly be an owner of this business. Now, why would they have that reaction? The reason they had that reaction is that the owner had made every decision mm-hmm. in the history of the business had never delegated anything. Um, they didn't know who the target customer was. They didn't know where the business was going, what the strategy was, what the definition of success was, what the, the core value drivers were. And so they sort of resisted. They didn't, it didn't feel right. It felt awkward and difficult. And so I say, I see this time and time again. And what I see is entrepreneurs who control every decision Mm -hmm. very tightly, as opposed to having the mindset of we're all in this together. And certainly uh, various members of a management team have skills, different skills, which is healthy um, that balance out that entrepreneurs capabilities, you know, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. And if you surround yourself with people that are exactly like you, that's not good. And so it it makes sense to surround yourself with people that have uh, expertise, knowledge, skills, capabilities, personality traits, traits that are different than yours and empower them, (laughs) delegate, Uh, let them, let them rock and roll. Um, That's uh, that um, I see that so often, and and it frustrates me that entrepreneurs hold so closely to the reins and and uh, play their cards so close to the vest um, yeah. that they don't allow that uh, they don't allow that second layer of management to sort of um, take over, pick 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 up the slack. Um, you can't do it. You can't do it all. You can't do it alone. Um, so that's that's my uh, that's my humble advice. Yeah, well, I love the story, and I also really appreciate the the wisdom that you uh, are sharing there because I think that is definitely a problem that a lot of us entrepreneurs have. And uh, you know, I try personally uh, to do that, as, but I could be doing better as well. Like I, I definitely see that. Uh, so uh, thank you for that reminder personally. It, this has just been wonderful, Kit. I really appreciate you taking the time today to share some of your story and and then obviously some of the expertise and stuff. I know that everybody who's listening is going to learn uh, at least a few things from this conversation. So thank you for sharing that. If if somebody wanted to connect with you, if somebody wanted to join uh, the operators.pe and, and really get that support that that community that you're building is going to afford them, what is the best way to reach out to you or to, to start that ball rolling, I guess. Yeah. So my email address is kit K I T at strategic growth council, C I L on the end, dot uh, com. So kit at strategic growth council.com. My phone number is seven zero three eight, six, seven, seven, two, six, nine. Happy to chat with anybody that would like to reach out and um, 
Lance, sincerely, this has been a lot of fun and you've had some really, really good questions. I mean that. Well, thank you. Thank I you. really appreciate that. And for those of you who are listening, if you enjoyed this episode, you can check out our archives over at Amplify Your Business, where there's all tons of different entrepreneurial stories. And then obviously, if you prefer just the listening through the audio only, you can uh, search for us over on your favorite podcasting platform. Just search for Amplify Your Business. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. And thank you very much, Kevin.